This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, DIYers, you know, people who make things, craftsmen, bladesmiths, blacksmiths, you know, you know, or not even any of them, woodworkers, whatever you got. We're with you. My name is Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, and Mareko Mamasi is out. He's running around teaching people great things, and we're going to sub in for him uh, at some point. We're going to take care of him. But in the meantime, you're with us, and one of us is my good friend, Craig Lockwood. Craig, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just the, just the two of us again. Cool. That's fine. Maybe next week, too. We might have to... I'm yes. Part of, I was, yeah. But uh, I was actually... I was, did an Instagram Live before we did this to just kind of warm up and get my blood pumping, and I thought maybe we should get Fingal in or something like that. Mm, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, a replacement. About it. For, yeah, that'd be good. You know, everybody wants to hear from that guy. So, so that tell us. Guy. You've been away last week. How was it? I... Camp. I... I had the... Once again, I had the opportunity to go to Maker Camp, and just if you don't know what Maker Camp is, uh, it is this small resort in uh, in in the Catskills of New York, and it's the Blackthorn Resort, and they have they've been doing it for five years, obviously minus two for COVID, and it was it's near where Jimmy Duressa lives, and he it's like a maker hangout, and they have giant tents, and then they have blacksmiths, and they have woodworkers, and and grinding companies, and uh, Total Boat was there, and epoxies and makers, and they're doing projects, and you can get up. You it's a three day thing, and you can get a ticket to be a spectator, or you can get a ticket to have food, and 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 you have a ticket to get the barbecue, which Steve Pellegrino and Will Shear did a beautiful job with. And there's tons of stuff to do, and we've been going me and the Modern Forge guys, Cliff, John, Cray, uh, Cliff, John, um, Carrie, and Jesse Savage, and there are other makers there, and Mareko Mwasi was there. So mm. we went up, I got, uh, we went up, and it was great to see Mareko. He did a incredible demo uh, on how he forges and heat treats and grinds and finishes his, his chef knives. And before I say one more word, he does not get the credit he deserves. And I know he gets a lot of credit. He is so impressive to watch. Um, he is super-duper safety conscious. He has complete command and control of what he's doing, especially towards the people he's demonstrating for. And he's fucking good. I mean, he's really fucking good. And every every time I had a moment, I would step in and look at what he was doing, and I was like, he was he's an impressive guy. So... There's so much to talk about, but at the same time, it's like I don't want to dominate the whole conversation. It was great. Do you have any questions or? No. Well, who did you see? I, I saw lots of pictures. Uh, who, who was there? We saw Leah Arapach. We saw uh, a lot of Keith Decent and a lot of makers, non-metal workers. The Coal Ironworks company was there, and I saw. I was talking to David for quite a while. Our crew, uh, the Modern Forge guys were there, which was always fun. Uh, Jimmy DiResta was there. It was great seeing him, Chris Cash. Uh, I will give a lot of, a huge credit, huge, huge credit to Bob Menard and the New England Blacksmiths, who every year they bring up anvils, and they bring up coal forges, and they bring up assistants, mm -hmm. and they have... Uh, Brett McAfee was an assistant, and they had a line of people who wanted to forge, and they got everyone was coming in to forge. Cool. And these guys did a great job teaching people how to forge for the first time, and it was 
they had a heart they did a lot of hard work mm. and that was but that was inc that was incredible and then a lot of knife talk listeners a lot of knife talk listeners i know that uh echo blades was there and um there's echo mountain craft was there and adam was there that's uh uncle sam was there knives by nuge was there all these people were coming up who listened to the podcast, which was, and I'm, I know that I'm not, Jake Largan was there, and there's a tons of people, and I, I'm forgetting their names just right now, but there's a tons of people cool. who listen to Knife Talk. Cool. Which so were was, there makers there who weren't knife makers or blacksmiths? Was it, was it all sorts of, yes. sort of makery going on? There was, uh, Andrea DeLeon was doing some glass blowing. There was lathe work. There was tool restoration guys. There were bandsaw guys. It was all interdisciplinary, which made cool. it really interesting. Hmm. Um, and there was the Lincoln Electric had a welding table, a tent there with, and then, uh, Chris Zepp was teaching this welding class and it was the whole crew. It was like influencers gone wild. And it was, <laughs> and it was like, and uh, we can talk about that too in a minute, but it was, it was a great experience. Um, we had a great time. We had a lot of laughs. My, my favorite, and, and speaking of which, high, well, one of my highlight levels, and I have to tell this story at some point, it was Jesse Killian. That's Marlboro handmade. Or handcraft. I'm not 100% sure, Jesse. It should be killing blades, for Christ's sakes. And then Butch Sullivan, the PA crew, were the two of the funniest guys. These guys were killing me the whole time. And we were talking baseball with them and Matt Harris and Matt Stagmer and, and Ben Seacrest and the Broadbeck guys were all there. I spent a lot of time with Spence at Evenheat and his beautiful family. That was really great. Awesome. Um, it was great. I mean, it was great. I mean, there were some low lights and there were some there were some low points that we can talk about. But I mean, there were is it, it was the the pros outweighed the cons. We had a great time. We we're going to come back. Cool, cool. So, what was happening in the evenings then? What, what what sort of times were the normal sort of festival thing happening? And what what were you doing then afterwards? Well, so there were there, everyone who was a demonstrator had slots where they were demonstrating. You know, for us, I mean, we were just like there to forge the whole time. Um, and do some projects and, and the modern forges, we forged a integral hatchet, which was a lot of fun. That was probably the most fun in terms of the forging. Um, and at night there was dinner. And then after dinner, there was, they had, they have camp, they have these giant fire pits and people were around the different fire pits and they were walk, you know, there was beer, people brought beer and there was, um, lots of laughing and sitting by the fire. People brought s'mores and Maritime Knife Supply was there. And Lawrence, I spoke to Lawrence for quite a while. That was really cool. And um, we, it was it was nice to just sit around and not have to make things. To so be honest with you, it was. Did anybody drink too much embarrass them, and embarrass themselves? That's the main question. I, here, I think, frankly, I didn't see a lot of drunkenness, which is like I was, it was expecting you then. it. It was you then who didn't no. see it. Well, it was I, you. <laughs> be, be honest with you, I had to like control myself because I tried to do like this episode was supposed to be a live uh, knife talk, and I was going to mm. try to grab Mareko. The problem was was the recording equipment. When I did it, I did a panel discussion with uh, everybody for Full Blast, and it was such a headache, and it was such a production that I was like, and I was so disappointed in the out the sounds that I was picking up, and the motorcycles, and the fucking everything, mm. that I was just. I said to Morocco, I said, let's just have a drink and have a good time. So yeah. we, did, I didn't have a, I had a couple of drinks, uh, but then there was one. There was I tell you what time I went to bed, and I didn't get drunk. And um, what the time I got to bed was somebody got drunk. And grabbed this huge uh, bag of firewood, plastic and all, and just threw threw the threw the whole thing in the fire pit. And he's oh, like, and he, and he wanted us to thank him. And I was just like, I don't need this in my life. I don't do enough dangerous stuff. I don't need to breathe your, you know, 
plastic fumes, but it was great. It was a it was a great event, and um, you were missed and you were talked about fondly. Oh, that's good to know. Good to know. You know. Good. To and then so, uh, so how you like the food too? How how were things when you said there's make you know makers of all sort of disciplines, but like you guys you 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 know you got hot steel and you got hammers and stuff. Was there you know sort of barriers protecting you and protecting the people? What what was the sort of safety like there? That's a great question because that's actually one of the issues. The 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 Blackthorn and the Catskill Mountain Maker Camp and and Austin who kind of handles everything, they were fantastic. And it's an interesting position because there is no safety patrol. There's no, so they allow, I mean, there are things that are allowed that are probably, you know, OSHA wouldn't, if OSHA was there, they'd shut the whole fucker down, you know, because there is a lot of like, you know, there, you're kind of on your own. And when you sign up and you get a wristband, they write, you know, you're in charge of your own safety and you should wear eye protection or something like that. Mm. But there are moments where, the demonstrators really need to take their own personal responsibility to make sure that the people around them are safe. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, for us, we were, you know, there were people, we had tables that were separating us, but you know, every so often someone would walk through and then come right up to us and we'd have to like kind of push them away or it was, a, there was a little bit of like, that would probably be my, my biggest issue and it wouldn't have anything to do with maker camp. But I think that the, a lot of the demonstrators and, this is something that I've talked about with you and we've talked about in terms of the idea of what is influencing, you know, we're in, we're in, this was like influencers going wild and you influence people to do the good things, but sometimes you end up influencing people to do the bad things too. Um, so there was, you know, I saw a lot of like, you know, with forging and stuff like that, you really have to have a very clear path on where you're going and you have to be very aware of your surroundings. You yeah. can't be walking around with hot steel and not knowing where you're going or crowding the forge and crowding other people or crowding anvils. There, there, there was a little bit of enough chaos that there was some moments I talked to a few friends of mine and they were just not comfortable with some of it. And that mm. was just part of it. But, um, I would give, I would give it a, I would give it an A, I would give it the event an A, but the safety issues are always concerning to me. Always concerning to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Particularly when you've got people who aren't used to being in that sort of environment. And, you know, they're just inquisitive. They want to get close, see what's going on. Yeah, I can imagine well, it could be quite stressful too. But it's not really up to them. See, the, the issue is it's not really the spect... The demonstrators, if you have your own tent and you have your own table and you have your own setup and stuff like that, you're kind of in charge of your own sphere. And part of that sphere is your understanding of what you're supposed to be doing and understanding of the, the, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. So there was a lot of like, there was a lot of jiggery poker and not jiggery poker. There was a lot of like loosey goosey with safety. And that Mm. was an issue that a friend, a couple friends of mine, older, I mean, all the older guys were like issue, you know, me and the, all the young guys don't give a fuck. They'll, you know, they'll walk around and, you know, not work safety glasses and their hair's all over the place and they don't give a fuck, you know, give a fuck. But it's like the older guys who've been around or worked in metal shops and you're not supposed to be using a grinder and spraying other people with the grinder. You're not supposed to, you know, when you're using a, you know, a wire wheel that, you know, that, that isn't mm-hmm. braided, you know, that the potential for it shooting, you know, like porcupine spikes everywhere is yeah. very high and, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I, I felt like the biggest issue is, and this is probably a good issue, you know, point to talk to you about, is what is our responsibility as influencers? Because, you know, you don't, people don't like to be called influencers, but I mean, when people are listening to this podcast or they're watching what Mareko is doing, and I want to tell something about Mareko, 
what is our influence in terms of safety and the protection of the people who are watching what we're doing? Hmm. That's a good point because, again, the word influences is, you know, it, it can sort of divide people. But everybody's right. a publisher these days. Everybody's got a phone. Right. Everybody's uploading stuff. And they've they've all got an audience, you know, no matter no matter how big. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a real thing, isn't it? Because, you know, we talked last week about, you know, youngsters getting into it, people who, you know, haven't tried this sort of thing before. And you've got the likes, you know, Alex Steele bringing lots of people in and forged in fire as well. Um, there is a, a huge responsibility. And, and just this week, again, I've been watching Forged in Fire because it's, it's, on, it's on UK TV all the time, yeah. all the time. And you see them going in with these big fireballs when they go for the quench and they have these big dramatic moments. And it's like, that's not what you want in your shop in, re- in real life. You know, you want it to be calm. You want it to be, you know. Wow. Um, but, I mean, you know, it, but it's right. dramatic. And when people are sharing videos and things, they want, a, you know, a bit of peril, I suppose. But, yeah, there's a, there's a huge responsibility there, though. I, I think that it's an issue that, I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the pro Forge and Fire train. Get in, anybody, get him and get him in the store. You know, get him, get him in the through the door. Forge and Fire is getting people through the door. Yeah. However, there are things that are like really unnecessary that people don't even realize that they're being influenced by. And I think that I find that this is something, and I've talked to, I mean, you know, I've talked to Pat Quinn about this of Center for Mental Arts because he's very, very safe. He teaches half of his classes are are aimed at people buying Anyangs, buying presses, and buying industrial mm. equipment to do recreational projects he he's 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 in his mind he's just like people don't know how to use these things they learn on youtube yeah so you end up seeing behavior that is would never fly in a professional metal shop yeah like because these people uh, are alone you, in a badly lit shop probably with no first aid well definitely with no first aid around but maybe not even a first aid kit around yeah yeah it's but they scary. learn from watching. They learn yeah. from watching. Perfect. I mean, the perfect example is is like I see these young guys using power hammers, and their face is right in there. Mm. They're right in there, and that's really not supposed to be the case. Like if you went to a professional metal shop and you had your face closer than your hand, if you're if you're forging something on a power hammer and your tong hands are your face is closer than your your hmm. your leading tong hands you're doing something wrong and yeah. and i think that they see this and then they see this kind of behavior or i'm sorry to say but i mean the people not using ppe what you you're in charge of your own shop and you're in charge of your own life and obviously i'm not going to tell you what to do and i'm not quote unquote the gatekeeper apparently somebody thinks i'm the gatekeeper but at the same time you are responsible for the things that you that, that if somebody gets hurt and they say I got hurt I was watching this guy and I know I'm in the hospital, if you don't want to take responsibility for it or have an as an ethical thing or as a human being, then you're fucking screwed up. Mm. You know you don't you should you should be very conscious of how you uh, you know you're sending the people off into the world. Otherwise, like you know w- the worst thing is what would happen, and I would not I would not blame. Uh, maker camp i would not blame the handles i would not blame anybody except for the people who are involved in the situation god forbid someone gets really hurt and and i'm not trying to be you know safety sue or whatever they call them stuff like that but it's like i mean let's let's be real here i mean you see some shit that's like ridiculous and you know and it's not my situation not my place to say something but at the same time I'm gonna say something on this podcast. I'm gonna watch what you do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use it as content for me. It's something to think about, mm. you yeah. know. Yeah, I'd, and I have had it. Sorry, 
So I'm just saying, you I'm know, people ge- generally um, working on their own as well. Um, and they could have, you know, a workshop, which is, you know, quite remote because you're not going to have a making that kind of noise in the middle of a busy sort of city. So you're generally going right. to be in a remote area on your own using dangerous equipment in a well lit, sh- in a badly lit shop normally. Um, yeah, they, there's so much potential for stuff to go wrong quickly. Wait, but you remember that dude up in near Albany who lit his whole town on fire? Remember that? He was a forged fire. Watch. We forged a fire. I don't know if he quenched something or he was trying to bend something over a barrel. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. He 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 lit the whole town on fire because he thought he was doing something that was correct. Now, I've had nice conversations with people who have sent me messages. I've listened to this podcast. I respect the people. One guy came up to me, sent me a message. Said, you know what? I, I understand what you're saying. I understand your feeling and I take responsibility for this. This is, I would rather somebody say to, to listen to what I'm saying, not send me a message, but say, have this, your own conversation with this and think, what am I going to do in the future to make sure that I'm being responsible for the people who are learning this too? You know, and, and I res- have nothing but respect for the guy who sent me my, that message. And, and I am a heartfelt thank you. I don't like I said, I'm not the gatekeeper. I'm I'm not the gatekeeper of all this shit. I just, you know, I see this stuff and I do feel a sense of responsibility to say, oh, you know, you should be a little bit more careful with what you're doing. You know, and, and I think that that's one thing that I'm, and I'm not the fucking warden. However, speaking of wardens, and this is this is on the side, I got a message that um, that there were cops outside uh, the Blackthorn and they were a few miles down because they know that people who go to the Blackthorn possibly drink. Mm-hmm. So people were getting pulled over. I know someone specifically who was pulled over a couple of miles outside the Blackthorn and you know, be honest with you, and it's not like they knew that something was happening or something like that, but they kind of know, you know, and it gets to the point with authority. It's just like, you know, <laughs> problems are problems. And, and uh, I just, I, well, the last thing I want is for someone to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Seeing something that somebody sees on Instagram, seeing something that they see on YouTube, learning something, you know, and it's just, that's my issue. And, you know, the other thing is, is like if Miracle and I are involved with an event and somebody's being kind of goofy, we're slowly kind of lumped in with them. You know, all of a sudden it's like you see your your boy did this and I'm like, who's my boy? I'm like, I don't know this people, these people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just in the, my mind and I'll get off this in a second. It's uh, it's just good to be. It's just good to be cognizant of how you're setting yourself out there and sending things out in the world and being influential in a positive way too. Yeah, yeah. And I think so. particularly when, as you say, there's makers of, of you know, of, of different mediums and all the rest all sticking there together, knife makers of blacksmiths, you're all one sort of community in everybody else's eyes. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the last thing and I'll leave it alone is, is last year I didn't bring, I brought some merch, but I didn't bring anything to sell. This year I was like, I got to bring a little bit of, I got to make a little bit of money if I'm going to go up here. Brought some things and I didn't bring my anvil and forge because I just didn't want to, to be honest with you, I'm getting old. And I just didn't want to put him in the car and take him out. I honestly felt like if I had done a lot of forging, I would have been in the way to certainly sharing anvils or sharing the forge or being through people's pathways. Mm. And I made the conscious decision. And Jesse even said to me, he's like, oh, I'm going to forge something. I'm like, yeah, when there's some room or there's some time or somebody's not doing anything, maybe. And I found myself being like, I don't want to add to the chaos. And that was unconscious. Like, there's too many people here. I don't want to be, I don't want to contribute to the traffic jam and potentially something happens, someone get hurt. Yeah. So yeah. like I didn't do as much forging for that reason because I was just like, I'm not going to add to the chaos. 
Yeah. Did but, did you take your friction folders? I did. I did. And and then um, I I sold them to some Knife Talk listeners. And nice. uh, that was really cool. And that was cool. Very cool. Uh, like I said, I, one thing I will say, a couple last things, and I'll get off this. I know it's, I'm fucking dominating. A couple things. One is is I got a lot of messages from guys who did what we we are kind of put this podcast out for to keep people company. I had some very heartfelt messages, uh, conversations with some people who were like, you know, they're on their own and they, they need someone to take, you know, you know, or maybe they're, you know, veteran, a lot of veterans were there and they just appreciated that this podcast is out there and that we're doing this. And that was very heartfelt for my cold black heart. It was, <laughs> and then the last thing I'm going to say is when you want to talk about safety, Mareko Mamasi is a fucking monster. Awesome knife maker, incredible bladesmith, great demonstrator, and safety is number one. I was very impressed. There's one point where his wife, who is lovely, and their son was terrific, they came up to me and he says, by the way, uh, Mareko is out of uh, hearing protection. Bring his hearing protection. you have anything? And I grabbed some earplugs and gave it to him. The, he was he was caught up and ready. To, I mean, when I say caught up, he was ready for everything. Mm. Very safety conscious. Very, very... He was just, he had complete command and control of what he was doing, and it was impressive to watch. He's the man. So, he is the he's man. man. He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. And you know uh, who I spent some time with? Even Heat. Nice. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. And you know what? You could go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat. Because that will take you to Sword Ceramics, who are a distributor of Evenheat. They've got some ready, ready-made. You'll get seventy-five dollars off the the normal price, free shipping in the US, and they're ready to ship now. So yeah, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. That link is down in the description. I talk, I spoke to Spence from Evenheat this week as well. I'm trying to get him on the show. It'd be good. Somebody from Evenheat. We've had them. We've had them on board as a sponsor for years. We've never had them on the show, so it'd be good to get. Spence well, on. I'll I'll send him a message. I'll send him a mic, and uh, and then we'll we'll have him on. He, I tell you what, he is such a good guy, and mm. I had such a great conversation with him and his wife and his son were there, and they had a blast. Lovely. They had such a good time. They had such a good time, and it was really. It's different than like a convention. Like you can just talk to people and do things, and it's much more relaxed. So it was really, it, like I said, it was an A plus event. A nice. plus. Nice. Oh, in other news, I put up the butter knife this week too. How'd it the, go? The tactical butter knife. Um, which so we've had this build along, haven't we? Where which I think you brought up a few weeks ago. But right. would it be cool to have build along and let's do it as a, a tactical butter knife. And we've had some great you know, people sent pictures of their, their tactical butter knives. They've been great. Yeah. Um so I thought I'd do one too. and I put up a video this week. Um, and man, we've we've had some engagement. We've had some engagement on uh, Knife Talk by uh, Instagram, um, and people seem to enjoy it. I think some people thought it was serious. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've, we had some strange messages, um, but it was fun to do. It was real fun to do. You are you are so clever with your videos, and I I was on I was subbing in for Brian on the Workford podcast, and I and somebody was talking about it, and I said I think I think I think Craig sometimes likes to make videos more than he likes to do anything else. <laughs> so you, it was maybe a great video, true, you, maybe true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you uh, your videos are always fantastic, and, and I, all those attachments were hilarious, and the romantic attachment. The, the, the candle well, that that was originally going to be a, a pack of condoms for the romance, but oh, I thought maybe sake. that's a, maybe that's a bit too far so we had Good a romantic, can- romantic candle instead 
Yeah. Good call. Good call. You did a. You did the. That was a good edit. That's a good edit. <laughs> so if you haven't seen uh, it, it's on the Knife Talk podcast um, Instagram, um, and that's also the place to DM us if you have any questions. Um, we've had a bunch of questions again from you this week. Um, but just before we do that, here's a little note from one of our sponsors. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. Okay, let's get straight into questions. First one is from Phelan Singh, I believe it is. Again on Instagram. Um, and he says, hola, knife talkers, um, or talkers of the knife, rather. I'm considering quenching stainless by use of aluminium blocks. Anything I should be aware of. Will this method add or subtract any risk to the process, or is it pretty straightforward, he's asking. Um, so, yeah, he's going to quench stainless for the first time, I assume, um, using aluminium. Um, anything that he should be specifically aware about, Jeff. Do you ever use it? Do you ever quench stainless? Yeah, all, all the time. Plates? Yes, yeah, I've got a bunch of, bunch of uh, like, inch-thick plates. Um, i got a bunch of them. Yeah, I, I use them all the time. Virtually all of my quenching is done that way. Um, what's he saying? Will this method add or subtract any risk? Um, now, some people um, will grind beforehand. So if you're using plates, um, you, 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 I mean... The the idea of using it, using aluminium plates is that you put the hot, you pull it out of the oven, put it in between the plates, and these plates will then suck all that heat away very, very quickly, giving you a quench, just as if you were in oil or water, wherever it may be. Um, I do all mine um, pre-grinding, and some people will grind beforehand. So obviously you can have some sort of bevels there. Um, so if you are in the foil, um, I, would, I, I would imagine, now I don't, I, I quench mine still in the foil because I know I've got complete, completely flat sides. If you haven't got flat sides, I don't know whether you'd be better off taking it out of the foil first. I don't know. Um, well, Jeff, what do you do? Because you, you, you do some pre-grinds before your heat treat, don't you? It, it depends on the thickness. Hmm. So if I – and what I do is – and it's a very good point, what you're saying is like – um, I usually, for my chef knives and a lot of my knives, I use three thirty seconds, which is just under an eighth of an inch. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I use a sixteenth of an inch, which is half of an eighth. And I'll full thick, I'll, I'll quench them full thickness. Now, but if I go to an eighth and bigger, I'll take a little bit of the material off. But what I'll do is I'll leave the entire spine, like an inch of the spine, the th- complete thickness. Um, right. And then so that way it was flats. when I put... Yeah. When I, yeah, they're, they're flat. The one thing I'll say is the, the there's a couple of interesting parts about the plates. Now, when I first started, I ended up having three-quarter inch plates. They get hot really quick. So the longer the plate, the better. Um, and then I went to a metal a metal shop, uh, and they had a, a, a tank, uh, like a area with scraps, and I ended up buying th- uh, much thicker material. So the thicker material you're going to go is is ultimately better. Um, one of the things I will notice, and I know that some people set up their clamps, their plate, they, they'll take a clamp and they'll bolt the plates on the clamp. That's so then they'll yep. be able to, yeah. they'll be able to close it. But then, so that, so the, the, the plates would be on edge when you put the blade in on edge and then you close it. And then what happens is, is like, you have like this locking system and then you can, you know, screw it down and stuff like that. You got to be careful when you're on the, when you're putting one plate on the top, on the, on the table then you take out your hot steel, you put it, rest it on top of the uh, the aluminum, and then you fast, you quickly take the other block and put it on top. 
That's the way I do it, but I got to be very careful because it you have to be hustle. As soon as this the steel hits the, the plate, the uh, the plate will act as a heat sink, and it'll pull the heat directly from the side that it's on. So what happens is that's how, one of the ways you can get a, a warp is if you're not quickly and fast, mm. you can pull the heat out of one side faster than the other, and that makes it contract. Um, that's the reason why when you're welding, welds contract is because once you finish welding, as it cools, it shrinks, and then that's why you get things out of square, right? Same thing with the plates. So you got to be real fast when you put the plates down, um, and I kind of do the rule of thought that like we do with uh, uh, oil quenching is where you count to a certain degree, what you count to you know, 15, 17, and I pull, rip it out of the plates because I can't see if they're straight under the plates, and then I'll give it a little tweak uh, then. The other thing is, is you want to make sure that you're putting the steel into, the, into your pouches straight. Sometimes, some steel, if you get steel water jet cut or something like that, there could be some stress in the steel, and it will naturally be bowed. Well, you want to make sure that it's straight when it goes in the pouch, that it goes straight when it goes into the oven, and then it's straight when, it's, um, when you're doing the quench, and then that'll try to help you with the... Uh, yeah, Quench. and and just to be clear, when we talk about foil pouches as well, we don't just mean normal sort of kitchen kitchen foil. Right. Um, make sure you get you know the grade that you require for the temperatures. Um, it's a, it's a bugger to work with, it's horrible stuff because it it's it's like razor blades. It's super sharp when you cut through it. Um, but yeah, and generally, what I do then to dissipate the heat even more, um, get some compressed air. Um, right. So, as Jeff was saying, I use my plates in sort of a clamping system, so they clamp together. But then just get some compressed air and just put it around there. It's just when any sort of heat spots go. There's no there's no heat being held in there. And it's it, it every single time it amazes me how quickly it just draws that heat out of the knife. It's it's yeah, it's almost like magic. It is um, magic. Yeah, but what I do if I'm doing a bunch of knives, I've got a bunch of plates and I just add another two plates inside, another two plates inside each time. Um so you always you know you always got cool plates. Um but yeah, yeah, there's it's 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 a pretty relatively straightforward. Um I've even seen the way Finkel does it when he puts a plate on the floor, puts the knife down Stand. and just stands on top of it quickly, yeah. you know. Um so you don't need, you know, you don't need any special equipment really, just some aluminium plates. Um and it's yeah, it's it's relatively simple. Um obviously just be careful if you're using compressed air, you want to use goggles. You don't know what's in there, it could be shot out. Um but yeah, it's relatively simple. Um it's all good. Okay. One thing is when you're rolling everything up, though, you want to make sure that you're wherever you're rolling those creases that they're not thicker than the than the knife, because yes. that can fuck you up completely. Like that has that has happened where you're you when you're when you're crimping everything, uh, you want to make sure you have like a you know mallet and stuff like that, and you really make sure that that crease is tight and it's not thicker than your your blade because then it acts like a lack when you put it when you put the the plates down it'll act like a lever and you'll actually bend you'll bend your knife that happened to me in the beginning when i was using thin stuff mm. and uh, you just want to be careful that that and but p.s once you get the plate quenching down that's how you use a damasteel and when we get to damasteel i'm going to talk about how easy it was to use um, cool yeah and last one thing i wanted to mention is in the after show, I want to know what you did this week. We kind of completely glossed over it. So I, uh, I, when we we're coming back to that. Okay. 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 I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> so the, the jackets that we're talking about, the, the foil jackets, the whole purpose of that is to stop any oxygen getting to the blade. 
Um, so what some people do, and I, and I do it, and I remember we, we talked about this in the past, a lot of people say it's not necessary. I generally put a little bit of tissue in as well, in, in that, because when it gets to a certain heat, that tissue will ignite and will burn off any uh, excess oxygen that's in the, in, in the, um, in the pouch. And I know right. some people don't. Um, I do it because it makes really pretty, pic- really, really pretty patterns on the blade when, when, you, when it finishes, and which you right. grind off anyway, but it's always interesting to see how the, the patterns that it makes and so on. Um, but I'm just, do you do that, Jeff? Do you put any tissue in to um, ignite you know, any air that's in there? I used to. Um, so for, if you're listening and you're wondering what the fuck are they talking about, so when you're quenching, you're, you're bringing the steel up to the critical temperature and then you're, and then you're dropping at a very quick rate. And then what, what happens is once you, the critical temperature turns the steel into austenite, austenite, which is the, you know, the iron carbides in the solution. And then when you drop it down, it transforms the austenite into martensite, which makes it the crystal structure. Now, what happens is if you don't use foil, uh, if you're forging or if you're doing any of this stuff, what happens is, is if with the oxygen present, the carbon migrates outside of the, the knife making scale. When you have scale, that's carbon you're losing carbon so all you Mm. knife makers like to shove your knife in the forge every five minutes like all the time every time you get scale on it that's the scale you kind that's carbon that you could have used so when you when you're heat treating in foil you're creating an oxygen free environment and then when you when you quench it when you pull it out of the the foil you will have no scale or if there's like a tiny pinhole you maybe get a little bit of scale but nothing crazy um i used to put a piece of tissue paper in and then i saw a very reputable knife guy saying that it, he hasn't noticed it make a big difference. So mm. I kind of stopped. I stopped, frankly, and uh, I haven't really noticed anything. And I'm also, you know, I think a lot of times the reason why you don't want, you know, a lot of guys like who are making f- like folding knives, they've already done the machining and they're looking for very tight tolerances. And so they really want the, the, the minimum amount of change in the steel mm. as possible. Yeah, because you can't really mill holes again. I mean, I guess you can, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But like, I know the tolerances are made before the heat treating, and you just want to like you want to minimize, you know, scale and thows and all that stuff. Yeah. And but uh, no, I don't. I don't add. I don't add anything to it. Look, look at us. Look at us doing knife talk. I know. Wow. wow. Look at us, Craig. Ten minutes. We're not on talking heat about dicks. Stainless. Wow. We're not talking about dicks. We're not talking about like <laughs> you know any of that stuff. We're talking. That'll about come knives. later. She oh, said. No. That's what she said. <laughs> oh fuck! It's a race to the finish line. God damn you! <laughs> God damn you! Good man. That's, that, 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 you're so fast. You're Take so the fast. next one. Go on. That's what she said. Okay, that's what she said again. Um, JD Eiler, our friend JD Eiler, who I guess I beat a, I gave him a brow beating not too long ago, and he finally caught up to that episode. He reached out to me. Just kidding, JD Eiler, you're the man. Uh, any advice for finding your quote good enough in knife making or in making in general? It's a very question. When is the time to say when? When is it good enough? When is it done? Mm. What do you think? I think that when 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 it I think he's saying when you're good enough as opposed to the piece that you're working on. Um, and I think that's that's what I love about making stuff is the fact that you're never good enough, and the next one you know is going to be better. Um, so so it's that pursuit of perfection which you're never going to get to. I think that's what's that brings me into all this kind of stuff and you know making in general. Um, so I think that you know. I'd never say I'm good enough, and I think anybody who does say they're good enough, I think they've maybe given up a bit, you know? Well, let's just talk about, let's just say he's got a piece on the bench, 
And okay. he's like, when do I sit? <laughs> get your piece off the bench. <laughs> get your piece. Get your J.D. Eiler. Zip it up, baby. Because we don't. We're not. No one wants to see your piece on the bench. There's a title. You for say, your, get your piece <laughs> off the bench. Get your that. piece. Write it down. <laughs> I don't want to fucking. That's a good one. But you got your piece on the bench, okay? And then you're stroking it really hard, and you're trying to. Trying to make something happen, and maybe it's a you know maybe maybe just things aren't working out for you, and you say to my you say to yourself, when is enough enough on this piece? And I think that that's one of the things that uh, a lot of people say, you know, like is this good enough? Like that's something that I feel like a lot of makers say is like the curse of the maker was like good enough, it's never good enough, and mm. you know you got to keep going, and you, you, six hundred grit's not good enough, and if you think it's good enough, you're garbage, and. When do we? When is it good enough? And and it's interesting for me because my old man was the my old man was the king of it's good enough. It's good enough. It's all right. It's enough already. It's mm. good enough. So like you know, in terms of like when we were doing paintings or we were doing all this stuff or you know, it's like okay, it's enough already. And I sometimes I do have that opinion uh, in regards to like okay, we've we've exhausted all of our op- like I'm working on this piece for Damasteel. And I'm highly critical of myself and I'm being like, well, when's it good enough? And when is it good enough? And, and it is this personal struggle that you end up having on the pieces that you're working on. But yeah. I agree with you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think when it comes to, if we're talking about a piece, um, good enough is when, it's, it's hard to put this into words because right. I think Morocco's good enough is very different to my good enough. Because we're in completely different lanes, um, and my good enough certainly wouldn't be good enough for Morocco. Um, so, yeah, it's it's difficult, and I think a lot of it comes down to um, what you maybe what you're charging for a piece, um, and and uh, it is really difficult because I think you're never going to let anything go out of the door if you don't think it's good enough. But that lot with that line, you know, it, it it's never going to be the same, you know, every day. It's yeah, it's a really good question. So I couldn't really give an answer to it. I I don't know. Well, we can kind of we can ponder down this road with this mm. piece on the table. And and I think that I remember being in a metal shop and I was working with this incredible fabricator and I remember he said something one day I was just like, "Well, are we do- is this done or what?" And he goes, "Well, it's not going into my house." Hmm. And that was a very <laughs> interesting comment. Well, yeah. It was an interesting comment. It's an interesting comment because it's just like, you know, it's not going into my house. You know, mm-hmm. but it was like, it's done, but it was like, it was good enough for the customer. And is it good enough for you? And, and I, it's, it is interesting. And I still, I'm very blase. I'm very, uh, glib about all of it because honestly, I feel like, you know, it's con it's your, it's your direction as a human being, you know? Mm. And I think that a lot of times once again, the knife making community, who I love, I'm giving you nothing. I'm not, this is not a slap and tickle situation. I'm not going to beat the brakes off you. Sometimes we make knives for other knife makers as opposed to making things that people actually want. And we overlook, we overlook the simplicity of it all and go for these like, you know, crazy things that nobody looks at except for people in, on Instagram who or other knife makers who are just kind of like, you know, seeing where you are in yeah. terms of their pecking order. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a fucking hard one. Um, it's a hard one. And what's interesting is, is for, um, in my regards, I'm constantly looking for these little adjustments that will make the product better. 
and make it more efficient. So I'm mm. constantly like every knife, like I'm way, I'm back. I'm officially back on the Tormek train. Like it took a long time and I've been slowly, slowly using the Tormek more often. And I've been getting, I've been dealing with issues, my own personal issues that I want to uh, make my products better. And the Tormek is giving me more value now than it had been in the past. Mm. And that's just part of like, is it good enough or can we do better? How can we do this better? How can we adjust this issue? And, and I think it's just, it is that personal pursuit and constantly trying to, you know, have honest discussions with you, but at the same time, don't beat the brakes off yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. No, completely agree. Completely agree. Okay. Great well, question, we've done a few... great yeah, question. it's a great question. Actually, we've, we've done a, a few questions. Did you say we've got some dilemmas? Oh, we got a ton of, we have great dilemmas and listener feedback. Okay. Let's, okay. Um, let's do dilemma and some feedback. Okay. So this one is from uh, Noah Larson. Noah Larson says, tough scenario. A customer who happens to be a friend ordered a knife for my website. Oh, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and say, I want to send in you a tough dilemma, follow us on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast. You could DM us your tough dilemmas, your questions. I usually shoot up a thing saying, all right, I need your questions or dilemmas or listener feedback. That's where we interact, so go to there. All right, now once back to Noah Larson. Uh, a customer who happens to be a friend ordered a knife for my website. He sent me an email after ordering it saying he wants me to make a drop leg rig that anchors around the thigh for his wife to carry the knife. Do you, know you understand that? Uh, I, well, I know what it is, but I, I don't understand why. But yeah. I, well, I don't, the why part isn't in there, but we can discuss the why part. Um, so a drop, I'm assuming, and I didn't read this completely, a drop leg rig is that it like slides below the belt line or something like that and it ties to the side of your leg that's my opinion of it and I'm, i mean i i don't know from drop like rigs but i mean it sounds like what it is yeah yeah well now it's been months and he won't send me the dimensions i'm asking for to make the new sheath and he won't respond to my messages at all do i ship it to him as is or wipe my hands clean or what so i think he's i think we're, what we're getting at is poor noah had to say or maybe no, he didn't maybe we're if you're listening to this and you're listening to this hey he's, he's talking about me i don't know i'm i'm going to jump to the conclusion that he said what size your wife's fucking thighs and you didn't want to <laughs> and maybe you didn't want to ask you know put that out there in the world you know what I'm saying? Quite possibly. Shit is big. Yeah. <laughs> you tell me the shit is big or shit. You know, that, that would be that would be the answer because that would to me would be that would be the issue. I'd be like, look, I'm making this whatever the hell it is, but I need to know. I need to know how big these you know tree trunks are. <laughs> I gotta wrap this. I mean, I only have so much leather. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, uh, I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> I love your your answers are the best. You, by the way, your size and your and, the, and that's probably one of my favorite things because it's like you're pondering. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't understand why people wear knives. It's you know, it's a different. I know it's a different culture in the U.S. to what right. is over here. Um, so I first of all, I don't understand that. Um, right. But. So uh, there's a couple of things here. So uh, has he paid for the knife? If he's paid for the knife, just ship him the knife as is and just say, look, give me give me a shout if you still want me to make that fucking dangler or whatever they're called. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dangler. Not a good podcast title. But, uh. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that's all you can do. I mean, you're not going to, you know, guess and and make it and for it to be wrong. So that's, that's all you can do. If he hasn't paid for the knife yet either, um, yeah, you just you just keep it on your bench. You send send him a message, give him a deadline, and if there's nothing sorted by that deadline, um, if he hasn't paid for it, it's yours to sell on. I'd imagine, you know. Um, I think we're going to talk about this a little longer, and then we are definitely going to do a scenario. We're definitely going to do a, okay. a fucking role play. We're, de- okay. we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but we're definitely going to do role play on this one. <laughs> definitely, no question about it. Okay, that's that's my answer. That's my answer. If he's already paid for the knife, just ship in the knife with a little note saying, look, if you still want to make this, whatever it is, this bondage piece of equipment that you require, <laughs> s- you well, know, s- send, send me the measurements. I, I don't know. You know, I tried wearing a belt knife i even tried wearing a leatherman i wore a leatherman in on maker camp because oh, did you did I, you have one for like your mobile phone in the 90s as well were you, were you that guy what do you mean what do you mean on the a cell phone as you'd call them <laughs> <laughs> have you seen these leather like the, the, these guys are selling these like leather like holsters that mm. have a space for the phone and say for the Leatherman and then the tactical Jesus pens and Christ. all the nine yards. Um, I don't like wearing it. I don't like anything. Like, I wish I, I'm looking forward to the days I don't have to carry my wallet. I don't have to mm. carry my goddamn keys. I yeah. don't want to carry. I hate every. I like before this podcast, I pull everything out of my pockets just because I just don't want any of it, you know? Yeah. So, like, I don't get it either, frankly. Um, I'm sure that there are some people out. I mean, when I was at Maker Camp, I definitely could have used like a pliers every so often, which because it wasn't in my shop and we were doing little things and I didn't have my toolbox in handy. It would, it would have been, mm. it was helpful. Um, I would make him the knife. The guy doesn't respond. Send him what you got and send him a fucking spool of rope that she can tie it around her big old legs with. <laughs> I got a funny story to tell you, by the way. This is, this is so hurtful, but half the people are dead in the story, so it doesn't really matter. There was a friend of a friend of a family member with I don't know what it was and I'm not being mean but this was a big woman okay. a big woman and I'd never really seen big when I was very I was young enough I was young enough that I was that I didn't understand it all I must have been like 4 4 or 5 hmm. and my dad just and this is a friend of the family who had passed away god rest your soul I'm with you 100% dad's dead too god rest his soul too and I just remember the funniest thing. I'd never heard fat jokes before. I'd never in my life heard them before. I never understood them. I couldn't understand them. I, I was too young. But my dad says, referred to this woman as old piano hips. <laughs> and I swear to God, that was the first eye-opening experience to, oh, yeah. Her hips look like a fucking piano. Old and piano I, hips. Oh, it's a, old piano legs. That's what he said. And, I, and I, at four years old, I was just like, "That's." I think that's when humor kind of like it, it was wasn't descriptive nice. enough for you to understand it was, what he meant. Yeah. It was like this: like I got, I understood what he, he wasn't talking to me. He's like, "Look at her old <laughs> piano lips, piano legs is coming over," and I, I'm sorry, I feel bad that I'm saying it, but at the same time, it was the spark of, of of lightning that reminded me and made me laugh as a young boy, and I understand it. Hmm. All right. We are now, so I, the guy doesn't want to respond if he's already paid. Send him what you got and say, look, I'll help you. Or you make it so there there can be some adjustability or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Get some, like, you know, whatever. Make it some, you give him some belts and say, all right, cut it here. And po- poke your own holes or what. I don't know what to do. Yeah. We're going to do a role play. And you can choose. You're going to be, you can be the, you can be the, uh, 
the knife maker or you can be the guy with the wife with who and we um, don't know that this guy we don't know if this guy i'm just making the job i'm making the assumption that you know she don't want to tell him so i'll i'll be the customer i'll be the customer okay, okay. you'll be the customer right? you're the customer i'm the knife maker i'm calling to get some measurements for you know for this project to be done okay? okay now once again we do not know this is the situation i've made that leap in in fiction this is a fictional story i'm making the leap all right <laughs> So give me the ring. I mean, this is a professional podcast. Get off the couch! <laughs> give me just a second. Sorry. Hey, Fatty, Fatty, get off the couch! <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Right. So, sorry about that. Bad. I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help. This, oh, this is gone. This is gone so bad. Uh, hi. How are you? Uh, is this uh, is this Jake? It is. Yes. Yes. Hey, it's me. It's me, Jeff. I'm doing a. Uh, I'm doing that project for you. I'm making that knife for your wife. Oh, for Fat Fiona. Okay, yes, <laughs> yes. No, How's it going? No. How's it going? Well, <laughs> this is so bad. Well, this is so funny though. Too. We're gonna keep going, with it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'm almost finished. The knife looks great, and I know that. I know. I know that we. You said that you wanted one of them hip danglers. I don't know what. What is it called again? That kind of holster. <laughs> Let's just call it a dangler for the sake of yeah. You wanted a dangler for your wife. I know you wanted me to make a a custom dangler for your wife. I got a problem because I need to know how big and how 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 big I should make the straps. How big should I make the straps for the dangler? If you could tell me, I could get this thing finished and done. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, there. I I, I shall go and. It's like a fucking redwood. Right. If you, <laughs> if you try and put your arms around, they don't meet the other side. That's all yeah. I'm saying. I don't have that much leather. What are we going to do? <laughs> a, couple, a couple of cows worth. <laughs> oh, hey, fatty. Put the, put the chips <laughs> down. Put the chips down. <laughs> she's not listening. She's not been. listening. She, she's, uh, yeah, she's watching uh, Jeopardy, I think you, you'd call it, wouldn't you? <laughs> I chips. thought you were going to say a 600-pound wife, but 600-pound life, but... Yeah. All right, well, that was extra mean. It was funny, but mean, and we obviously know it. We don't know. We are just we just went off the rails on that, so... Yes. We have, yeah. You know, but it was still funny, <laughs> Matt Fiona. All right, so that's the answer. It's like, you know, she is, she's on her own. I mean, he's on her own, she's on her own. <laughs> we're, we're with you. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from uh, Adriel Briel. Hello, gents. I'm a part-time maker of knives and tools alike. Uh, also, uh, trying to keep my IG handle, uh, my IG profile alive and interact with makers in the community. Here's my dilemma. Recently, my day job changed in ways where I'm required to travel and spend weeks away from the shop on a regular just, basis. Just a second. Right. <laughs> my wife is upstairs. Um, she just texted me. Fatty, put the chips down. You better not be talking about me, she said. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, obviously, obviously not. You wouldn't even get. You won't get to hear this. But I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> She's lying in bed. Thinking, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> she heard you say, "Fatty, put the chest down." <laughs> she thought you you were talking to her <laughs> from a different room. <laughs> Oh my god! 
<sighs> anyway, you, anyway, wait, 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 wait. my <laughs> deepest apologies. <laughs> Fat Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh, that was I'm sorry. I apologize for me you're talking to me. <laughs> Who's down there, by the way? <laughs> yeah. You got some sort of dungeon. What's going on down there? Where who's this Fiona person? Oh God. Oh poor your poor wife. Yeah, you're gonna have to settle that one up. Yeah, you know, she just put the kids to bed. She's sitting down watching TV, probably having a chip here and there, and then all of a sudden you're screaming, fucking put the chips down that Fiona. And she doesn't know why. She's super paranoid now. That poor woman, she's just fucking put the kids down and you're screaming, fat Fiona, put the chips down. (laughs) All I need to do is say, look, it's just the podcast. He's like, oh, whatever. I've heard you you say worse on that podcast. (laughs) God, that's too funny. Poor poor woman. Now we have a real dilemma. You're going to have to do some real explaining. All right, let me just go back. Oh, God. Go back. That was hilarious. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, back to Adriel. Adriel says, here's my dilemma. Recently, my day job changed in a way where I'm required to travel and spend weeks away from the shop on a regular basis. I can no longer sustain the output and updates I would like. Also learned that posting non-maker-related content doesn't really spark much interest. Uh, Here's the question. How would you gents apply your free time towards the craft when you're away from extended periods of time? This germ appreciates all your input and support. Love the show. Adrian from South Africa. So you have a job where you can't really work in the workshop. What do you do in your what do you do when you can't be in the workshop and you yeah. want to keep going? That's a good question because I've been in that situation so many times um, with yeah a new baby every few months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really got into sort of CAD and um, like two D and three three D render renderings of you know possible designs that kind of thing, um, and that sort of sets me aside a bit now. So when I'm speaking to restaurants and we're talking about ideas. I've got all these sort of templates which I can now just bring up and, you know, if they say they want a certain handle, I can just swap them out quickly and I can get them like a 3D render really, really quickly. And they're like, well, they're really impressed with that and it often leads to, you know, getting getting the order. Um, So, yeah, that's one thing you could do if if that's something you've you've never tried before, you know, a bit of sort of design work around knives. Um, You know, know, people can make sheets, that kind of thing, because they take very little equipment. Um, I mean, it depends on who the sheath is for. It does, and how big the piece is. Yes. I mean, for Fat Fiona, you're fucked. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, those are the two things off the top of my head I can think of. Um, what do you think, Jeff? You, you can't go into the shop, but you're still itching. 
uh, to be making? What could you be doing? You know, I didn't even think about what you said until you said it. But the, learning the language of computer design, I would imagine, uh, makes things effortlessly easy for you. Mm. Easier than if you were struggling and just kind of drawing something up. I would imagine that that would be that 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 it's a new language. It's a new language that you could be fluent in. You it might make your work more efficient. You know. And especially if you're like, let's just say, look, I'm going to do a line of knives and I'm going to have them, you know, cut out or whatever. You could design them on CAD and then ship them off to a company or just email them to a company and they can have them made. By the time you're back, they're ready to go. And you could have like a, you know, and it really is very efficient. It's an efficient way to go. I mean, obviously, some people are just like, well, I don't want to do that. Well, okay, well, that's here's an option. That's that's it. I think that I would try to be computer i would try to be computer literate and designed i think that would be number one i mean look at brian house i mean he's designing things left and right like all sorts of things is, now yeah yeah you know so it's like i mean he's he's really i mean the people who are using i mean aaron goff too i mean they're using that kind of like that that uh administration you know language or the the, the design language of computers and they're just being so efficient with what they're doing and it's like that's what I would do if I was like, if I had time and I didn't have that energy or that would be the thing that I would try. I, I was going to say, learn how to draw better, but I'm like, why? I mean, I would, if I was wanting to make my, my knife business better, maybe I would do more learning that language. I, I think that's the perfect answer. Mm. Cool. Cool. So tell me about the Broadback guys. Did you see them at Make It Camp? Uh, Vince and Ryan are the best and they're great guys. They had the Broadback tent. Uh, they had Mareko in there the whole time, and he was forging, and he was using their grinders, and he was making. He was making. I mean, I, once again, it isn't enough just seeing it on the Instagram. Seeing him actually working and seeing him using that grinder to its fullest was really awesome. If you go to BroadbackIronworks.com, and then you put in the promo code Knife Talk One Hundred, you get a hundred dollars off. What do they? What do you get? A hundred dollars off? Knife Talk One Hundred. You'll get a hundred dollars off the sharpening system and their sewing machine, that leather sewing machine that they sell too. And the Knife Talk Two Hundred gets you gets you two hundred dollars off um, any of their grinder packages that they do. So right. yeah, huge savings, huge savings you can have. And you can get you can buy them. Uh, t- uh, you can buy them as a kit. The, the 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 grinders, and you can put them together yourself. They're also selling them at completed and sh- painted and shipped. And their attachments are awesome. I had a great conversation with Vince. Uh, they are knife makers. They were he was working on. Uh, Vince was working on his journeyman Smith knives while he was there. And wow. uh, there is a funny story behind it. But I mean. This funny story is John Ariani was trying to temper a knife, and he might have screwed up both of Vince's knives. Vince oh, knife. really? there, was, oh, there was some ball breaking going on. There was some ball breaking going on left Fucking and right. John, dude, John is the dude. John is the best. John is. I had such a good time with John and the, all the guys. We got to talk. We got to talk about the, the baseball. I have a funny maker camp stories. We got to talk about. But by, by the way, the Broadbeck guys are awesome, and they're very involved with the community, not just knife makers. They're doing with working with sculptors, woodworkers, but in terms of metalwork, I mean, it's my 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 favorite grinder by by a mile. So go to get yourself some of that Broadback Ironworks uh, grinders, get the attachments, and uh, get involved with them on social media. Cool, cool. I have one more dilemma that's great. Okay, let's Unless do it. Unless you want to go listener feedback, I want to go back to the questions. I'm giving you the ball. Let's do a dilemma. Come on. <clears throat> this one is from Nick 
Alpin. This might end up giving us another. We might have a twofer on the on the, uh, on the phone calls. Uh, on the phone calls, and you can yell at your wife about something else. A person. Uh, this is from Nick uh, Nick Alpin. Here's an ethical dilemma. A person you know is volunteering to help with a military conflict, and you ask to make a co- he and he asks you to make a combat slash survival knife. This is not. Uh, this isn't a rando like me, but someone who will have knowledge of and experience with combat and all that kind of stuff. With the knowledge that this tool may be used to spill blood, would you still be willing to make it? Additional non-ethical question, what materials would you make it from? So you have an opportunity to make a knife for uh, somebody who's going to use it, is intended for combat or war. How do you feel about it? I'd feel very uncomfortable. I don't think I'd make. I, I wouldn't judge anybody who does who would make it because a lot of people are making combat knives and that kind of thing. That that's fine. Um, personally, I'd have a bit of an issue with that. I yeah, I'd be I'd be really uneasy, really uneasy. Um, so yeah, I'd probably swerve that one. Um, well, it depends on how they br- they breach the topic to you. Like you don't necessarily mm. know. That somebody's going to use it to kill somebody with, you know. You, you, but maybe if they you, go off, like, they go off to combat, and they want this knife specifically to take with them for that reason. I, yeah, it's 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 a difficult one for me. That one. Well, here's here's another here's another. That's a very good answer. But here's another kind of like the other side of the coin is when I developed my bull elk knife, which is like probably one of my best designs. It came from an elk hunting knife I made for an elk hunter. Uh, very, very original. I didn't know what to fucking call it. So I called it Elk Hunter because I was going to an Elk Hunter. And then this friend of mine who was a Black Hawk helicopter pilot says, I want that knife, but I have to make some changes because I want to use it for my escape and evasion vest. So the Black Hawk helicopter pilot has these vests and there's like this part on their, on their, that it can be, you know, used for escape and evasion. And they can't just mm. have like, you know, you can't just have like a, you know, like a Mike, Mike Quisenberry, you know, Damascus knife, and, you know, running around the desert with. So when I talked to him about it, it seemed as though, it seemed as though it was for like his survival and safety. God forbid something happens. Mm. So I never thought like, he never said, he never approached me like, I'm going to plunge this into somebody's head. You know, he didn't say any of that. Yeah, I felt yeah. like, all right, well, I want to make him something that he feels that he can use. And we used uh, uh, super stainless steel. I think it was CMP 154 CM. And we used, uh, you know, I, I, I very minimal, but at the same time make it very approachable. And he brought it with him in combat. And I didn't have, nothing happened. He didn't have to use it. But I felt like I didn't feel like the ethical dilemma of what happens if he's got to put it in somebody. I felt mm. like, all right, this is something he can use. And, you know, if he's, God forbid, he falls out of the air and he's got to, you know, cut up some rope or something like that or, or whatever, put it on. His, I mean, mm. I, I didn't, I didn't. Think did you feel that. that responsibility when you were making it though? Were you, did you have these scenarios mm. running through your head? I felt the need to, I felt this, this, I felt the only responsibility I felt like it was don't let, it cannot fall apart when he's, when he, you know, mm, the scales yeah. can't flop off and the bolt, the Corby's got to be good and you, you can't have things falling off or ripping apart or, you know, the, the, I did a Kydex sheath because I felt like leather would get all gunky in the desert. That's what they said too. He said, you know, don't, I don't want leather because, you know, it gets all gunky in the desert yeah. and, you know, you, yeah. when you're cutting up your pasta and you stick it back in the sheath. You don't want any gunk in your sheath. You know what I'm saying? But then um, I felt more the more the uh, the the pressure of I can't let this guy down. I can't make something that's gonna fail. So 
that was the ethical dilemma I had. Now, if you if I get a call from a guy who says, I need someone to you know put into somebody's head, I would probably push them away. You know, yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, you know, you think about like Jihad Johnny and all these guys who are like. You know, these ISIS guys who are lopping people's heads off, you just don't want to see that touch mark on there. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, God, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, mean, you know, no. I mean, you don't want to see that touch mark on the right-hand side. People pause in and like, zooming in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, can you imagine? I mean, God forbid. I mean, I don't mean to make light of it and jokes and stuff, but, like, I mean, let's just talk, cut, cut the shit here. I mean, that's yeah. the last thing you want, you know? So yeah. there is some ethical dilemmas about that stuff. There is, yeah, yeah. And I said I, I wouldn't judge anybody who did make it because, you know, it's 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 what we do. We make knives that could, you know, any knife could be used for, you know, bad purposes. Um, but, yeah, okay. Um, you said you saw Lawrence at um, Maker Camp too. Tell me a bit great. about Lawrence and his company. Lawrence, Maritime Knife Supply is great. They're great. He's a great guy. He is very, very attuned. He wants to. He also said to me, he says to me, I want you to talk to Craig because I'm willing to do your T-shirts for you. I know you guys don't like T-shirts, and I'm willing to take care of the T-shirt game from you. So just tell Craig, I'm willing to take it all, take it all and deal with it and make the T-shirts and sell the T-shirts and we'll do the T-shirt. He's, you know, so that's something to think about. He's very attuned to what knife makers want. He is very savvy in terms of, uh, he is a knife maker too. He's with Mareko as we speak, um, taking a Damascus class with him at, I think, Zach Jonah's place. Oh, cool. He's been, at this, he's, been uh, he's been a whirlwind. He was at Maker Camp. He's going to New England School of Metalwork. He is a knife maker too. So he is working with other knife makers, and he's providing knife making equipment to people. So he does, he's got your, if you're in Canada, he's got your combat abrasives. He's got your rhino wet. He's got mold polishing stones, kilns, forges, presses, heat treating ovens, whatever you need. He's got it. And if you go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com and I t- he told me he, he owns MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca and MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Okay. Yes. I said that and he also gave me a piece of hex material. I said octagon material on work for it, but it's hex um, hex material that you can make integral knives with a hex bolster with, which is pretty cool and great guy. And then if you get the belts, he's got, uh, he gives you 10, you buy 10, you get one free. So go get yourself some of that maritime knife supply. And don't worry if you're in the United States and you think I don't need to go to Canada. He, the shipping is just about the same. So cool. Cool. <sighs> good guy. Okay. Real good. Guy. We got some feedback then. You said listener feedback. We do have listener feedback. Uh, the first one is from Nolly knife company. Once again, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, blah, 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 blah. All right. Nolly Knife Company says, hey, baby, are your peaches fuzzy? That's the old school, <laughs> old school honest thing. Uh, no questions this week. Just wanted to thank you guys for the hard work and for keeping my Mondays interesting. I like to try to guess the context of the episode titles before I listen. And I finally got <laughs> one right with I shouldn't have eaten the berries episode. What is the episode this week? Will he be right? Will it be? Um, I think this week we're going to be uh, don't put your piece on the bench. I think that'll, <laughs> I get it's your not going to be a bench. fat. Good thing <laughs> it's not going to be Tony <laughs> any chips, fat Fiona. That would be a tough one for you, Dolly Knives. But thank you very much. Um, Paul Jansen writes in. He says, "I got some feedback about the guy who had the family land sold without his knowledge." Remember uh, we talked about yes. last week. Yeah, uh, family. Uh, uh, the guy. All right. So this last episode, a guy called up says he had a family land. 
and that his parents sold it out from under him and it was made him sad. I got some feedback about the guy who had the family land sold without his knowledge and about Jeff's family with generational wealth. While I agree that nobody owes you anything other than maybe an opportunity to prove yourself, it bothers me when wealth or especially land that has been in the family for generations is suddenly sold and the money all kept uh, by the current generation. I know it's there so they can do what they want, that they're inherited too. Um, so it's not like they had to make the initial sacrifice to better themselves or their future mm. family. They're reaping the rewards of someone else's sacrifice. I understand someone is in a different boat with uh, the hand. The, uh, di- someone's in a different boat with the hand that life gave them. But those are the things that should be sold in emergency to survive, not for cash to enjoy with money. Just my thoughts for whatever is worth. Was, uh, that actually, that point got mentioned a lot uh, in the feedback um, in regards to. You know, it sucks when, you know, generations sell their shit and all of a sudden you're screwed. So, mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ronald Knives. Wanna... Go ahead. No, sorry. I want to hear about your Dharma Steel thing. But before we do, I want to tell everybody about TexasFireSupply.com. They've been sponsors of ours for a long time. Um, great, great people. They sell everything you need as a knife maker, um, including. RhinoWet, which we always talk about because it's the best sandpaper if you're doing any hand sanding. Let's face it. We all do some hand sanding. So if you are, make sure you're using RhinoWet and make sure you go to TexasFireSupply.com because if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off your order and not just your RhinoWet. They sell everything, everything you'd possibly need as a knife maker. So go take a look, TexasFireSupply.com and fill up that basket with RhinoWet. And they're having a hammer in November 5th. Uh, Jay, Jeff Davis and Custom Knives asked me to say something. November 5th from 9 to 5, they have live demos by Jay Nielsen. He's doing Canister Damascus. Jeff Davison's blade forging. James Hughes is doing bolster tips and tricks. Greg Darnell's doing engraving, and somebody else is doing something. Uh, Kevin Johnson is doing sheath construction. So well, I would say, if you see Kevin John, ask him how you fucking ask, <laughs> ask him, him ask, ask him about Fiona's legs. Ask him about Fiona's legs and find out what how you measure somebody's legs if it was the size of a, a, a oak tree. What did you say? A redwood. A redwood. I, I, I need a I need a sheath for that piano leg. Go ask Kevin. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> he does this. He has a standard measurement. So go check that out. Uh, JDCK, uh, Texas Ferry Supply Hammer in. Um, um, you know, go follow Texas Ferry Supply and then they'll get you squared away. So. Yeah. Cool. Okay. You had <sighs> one last feedback, I think you said. Uh, eh, it don't matter. No worry. Let's, 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 we could change topics. It's fine by me. Okay. Nothing, okay. You know, save it for next week. So your Dharma Steel knife that you're working on for the Dharma Steel Chef Invitational, tell us about it. It's a serrated knife, isn't it? I want to tell you that Dharma Steel is way easier than you think is to work with. I was very – because if you go to Dharma Steel's website and they show you how to do it and stuff like that, you're looking at all these terms and you're looking at all these things and you're just like, oh, my God, this is just like – this is too much. I was stunned at how easy it was to work with. Now, first things first is, and just get this off the table, is I wanted to do the Dama Steel Invitational. I thought, why not? I can do a serrated knife as good as anybody else. Here's my chance. I'm not competing against these heavy hitters. I'm going in again. I'm going in with the serrations just because I feel like my serration game is pretty tight. Hmm. So they sent us early in the day, earlier in the, a number of years ago, they sent us some Dama Steel, right? They sent you some yeah, Dama Steel, yeah. Mareko and me. So I never used it for, I might have been three years ago they sent it to us. So I decided, well, I'll, I'll see if I can get this thing going. Well, 
Somebody might have made a mistake, and they might have given me a uh, somebody gave me from the from the junk drawer. They might have given me one of them schlep pieces because they gave me a piece of Damacore, and the core wasn't in the middle. And <clears throat> this is not a this is I'm going to be telling you how great Damasil was. So I heat treated it. I made it. I heat treated everything like that. And then when I when I heat treated it, it was a banana. It was a banana, and I'd never seen anything like it. And the reason why is, and if you're you saying my guys probably feel the same way, if, if you have your core is not in the middle of the bar and maybe one side's thicker than the other, then naturally it's going to, when it contracts, when it cools down, it's going to contract in one side. Yeah. That's how bananas happen. So, I mean, this thing turned in, I mean, it was like a mustache. I mean, it was, I'd never seen anything like it. So then when I ground it and stuff like that, I realized, oh, this is Damacore. I didn't know. And then I sent, I, I talked to Fingal and says, yeah, you have to, when you're heat treating it, you can see the core on the spine and stuff like that. I sent a message to Damasteel. They sent me out a, a replacement piece immediately. Immediately, like I was, I mean, they were very, very. That's the, their customer service outstanding. They sent me something out immediately, and I decided to go with it. The heat treatment was super easy, and I did not do cryo. You don't really need the cryo. Um, I did uh, heat treat it. I plate quenched it uh, the way you would do stainless steel, and then I I put it in the freezer. Uh, that's something that I will say that I've been using uh, for AEBL once in a while, and it's been great. It just, for some reason, it converts the unconverted austenite into martensite, and you do gain some some uh, some rockwell. I heat treated it nice and easy. Uh, they have a scale of where you should be if you're looking for certain, you know, uh, hardnesses. I use their scale, and I ha- on the money, I got like sixty after when all said and done, sixty one rockwell, no nice. cryo. And it was, and it ground easy. It, it, cutting it was easy. Everything about it was easy. The scary part, so I, I, the scary part was the etching. They have an awesome video on YouTube on how they etch it. And I thought, because I'd heard that you use hydrochloric acid. Where the fuck am I going to get that? Turns out you don't need hydrochloric acid. There's a lot of things. One thing that Fingal, I talked to Fingal for a while, and he says you can use cement cleaner, anything that has 10% hydrochloric acid. So if you're looking for, Cement cleaner apparently is 10%. That's good enough. He uses cement cleaner sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the Damasteel guys said is they use muriatic acid. Well, I happen to have muriatic acid. Both Damasteel and Fingal said, get it warm. So I had my old like a gr- electric griddle that I used to do Kydex in. I put a, a, a bowl in there filled with water, and then I had a, a glass, uh, a glass. you know, in Oktoberfest when they drink the boot? You know what I'm talking mm, about? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. one of them. I had one of them. It was perfect. <laughs> so I put the boot in the thing. I put it on the thing, and then I heat it up to the, all you need it. You don't need a thermometer. What the guy said on Damasteel is all you need it is where smoke is coming up. Well, not smoke. Not smoke. Steam, like it's a Steam. hot cup of coffee. Yes. Yeah, you don't yeah. need like 100 and something degrees. So a little steam's coming up. You clean the steel. You, I, for, I, I finished it. I hand sanded it to 800 grit. I didn't go bananas. I, I degreased it, stuck it in the fer- uh, the uh, muriatic, and it worked like a charm. I wore lots of PPE. I did it outside so there weren't any fumes. It was amazing. And then I had a bucket of um, baking soda water. I dumped it in there, and then I cleaned off the oxides, did it again, and then the bubbles were coming up, and... It was the it was easier for me to do that than to do ferric on Damascus. Hmm. So far less daunting than you'd originally thought. 
I was shocked. I was shocked that it wasn't. It didn't play any games when I heat treated it. When I was grinding it, it didn't play any games. It didn't warp at all. It heat treated as easy as 440C or AEBL or anything like that. And then the etching was very, very easy. And I got really great results. And people think I'm good at this. So it's like I fooled them all. I mean, it's not. It's <laughs> it's legitimately like it. Legitimately was very, very, very reasonable to do it was not like you know rocket science at all and i am i am i said this on the live i am a baby i am a i am a legitimate titty baby when it comes to this stuff if something seems like it's too hard i can't do it i fucking stop this was like look at this fuck look at all of a sudden i'm thinking i'm like i'm I'm fucking fortune fire champion right now i was like (laughs) totally unreasonable after i got it all squared away and i just glued it up now and before this podcast and i just wanted to let set the record straight anybody if you have a if you have a even heat kiln you had a kiln you got some plates and you have some very simple easy etching stuff you can do this as easy as i can if i can do it you can do it cool cool Cool. and some of that stuff people are making with dharma steel is just just incredible take a look their dharma steel lab on instagram um take a look at some of the stuff people are making it's just beautiful beautiful and they got all sorts of patterns um, yeah, go take a look. They're DharmaSteel.se uh, online. Um, if you get an account with them and you use Knife Talk at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order too. So go take a look. They're great, great people. Yeah, and we're going to do the Damasteel Invitational. We are. November, I think it's November 12th. Yes, yes. Can't it's going to be fun. That it's is going to be fun. I think that before the Damasteel Invitational, the All Beef Review is always my favorite show of the year. Hmm. I think the Damn Steel Invitational is my favorite show of the year, and yeah, um, it's good because it's video as well. Because we're using video, and you know, we we used to do video quite a bit, but um, it's good. It's good just oh. to yeah see everybody's faces, and we you know we 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 take the piss a bit as well, and it's 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 always good fun. It's like imagine the red carpet and like real reporters and <laughs> horseshit dick joke guys. We get the best of both worlds. We have we have the we have the uh, credibility because David still keeps asking us back. We can still do the dick jokes. Nobody gives a shit, and and they're like we're selling damn steel, so everything's fine. But it is by far the most fun, and you don't have to pay to to watch it live. What they'll do is they'll they'll have you register, I think, with like Hubbin or something like that, whatever their website yeah. that services, and then you can go from. It'll be, you know, like 20 different booths of knife makers, and you can go to their booths and interact with them, buy knives yeah. from them direct, or you can come watch the show live and then interact with us on the show, which is yeah. hilarious. And we'll try and get the makers onto the show as well, so, you, could, you know, we can, we can have fun with them. If you've got any questions, you know, live, you can put it to them. It's, it's, always, it's always good, good fun. There was one guy who could not get the audio right, and he was just <laughs> – the video was so funny because he was just like, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. And he's cursing and screaming and, like, <laughs> grabbing his kids and stuff like that. And then he finally – like, he went on three times he tried to get on, and he's like, you see his throwing his hands up in the air. And yeah. then the last thing is he got us – he finally got in, and there was, like, a rave going on in the background. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. It was yeah. so good. Was and so there's good. always people that surprise us every week because, you know, we're quite aware of a lot of our listeners who they are because they interact with us so much and all that, and that kind of stuff. But when we do that, we almost get a slightly different audience as well. Um, so we see work that we'd never have seen before, and some of it is, like, oh. incredible stuff. Incre- you know, it's, yeah, top-notch stuff. So Global. Yeah. So it's always good fun. Always good fun. 
there are people okay. all over Europe and the Philippines and Australia, and they're all there together at the same time. It was so much fun, and we we're slinging dick jokes. So it was yeah. like <laughs> so great, so great, so funny. Uh, okay, shall we call it a day? Oh, you want to do a couple more? You want, or yeah, we'll do an after show. Free after yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. I tell you, let's do one more question each, then we go to an okay. after show. Okay. Um, a free after show, may I add? Well, speaking um, of which, I was on the. I, I beat the brakes off of the Work for a Podcast. I subbed in for Brian because he's got the shingles. I said, yeah. I stupidly, I didn't stupidly say it. I said it because I, I, he's my friend. I said, if you need anything, let me know. And then I said, well, what, and I think to myself, well, what are you going to do in Florida, New York? I said, well, if you need me to sub in for you, uh, I'll happy to. And he jumped so fast at me subbing in for him on, on work for it. And I said on the work for it, I said, listen, I break your balls about your free, about you have to, you know, the Patreon gets the after show. If the after show sucks, I'm going to say it on pot. I'm going to say it on knife talk if it's worth it or not. So in the after our, our free after show, I'm going to make a judgment on whether or not their after show is worth it or not. That's nice. a radio tease. There we go. Okay. Um, let's have a look. Uh, do, 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 a lot of these are really intended for Morocco. Yeah. Um, I put them in the bottom Just waiting for him when he comes in. Uh... Here we go. John Marston. Um, I have a question. Do any of you have a disc sander or surface grinder attachment for your belt grinder? Do they work reasonably well and worth the money? Um, I'm in need of both and don't really have room for a, a used full-size surface grinder in the shop and a variable speed disc grinder, even if I build it myself, uh, would still run sort of $800. I just wanted to know if they work fairly well or like a scissors on a Swiss Army knife. They'll work in a pinch, but you wouldn't depend on them for your livelihood. Um, okay, I've got the surface grinder attachment from Broadback, actually. Um, and it's it'll a disc fit grinder, any- though, right? No, I've got the surface grinder. Attachment. No, but he said disc grinder, didn't he? He says both. Um, oh, okay, if you have okay, a disc, okay. disc okay, sander okay. or a surface grinder attachment. Okay. Yes, sir. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I've got a disc sander, and I've still haven't used it. Um, and I don't don't think I will. I bought it because you were hyping them up so much. Um, but when it comes down to, it, I'm just like, well, it's what I'm doing seems to be working for me. So I haven't I haven't really dabbled with it yet. But I'll, I'll find some time. At some point. But anyway, yeah, I've got a surface grinder attachment. Um, I use it um, on every knife that I make, really. Um, they, yeah, they're great. Um, they don't take up much room. Um, they fit, certainly the Broadback one will fit any sort of grinder anyway. It's just a tool in arm. Um, and it's got its own contact wheel on it. And then, you know, it's got that, you know, that thing that you, you know, move across the wheel to make sure everything's flat. Um, works really well. Um what what I didn't realize when I was first doing that, I was putting the blade directly onto that sort of magnetic base that holds everything in. Um, and I was finding it just a nightmare to remove. And then I'd get scratches again. It was, it was a nightmare. So a bit of a tip, just get some really thin liner material like G10, like super, super, like 2 mil, something like that. That's good. Um, and use that overhanging, um, overhanging the, the grinder attachment arm. Um, so you can put that onto the magnets, then your blade onto that. It'll stick perfectly fine because these are super powerful magnets. And when it then comes to removing the knife, you just peel off the G10 and your knife is going to have zero scratches and it's super, super easy. Um, so if you do get one, yeah, it's a bit of a tip. But um, yeah, they're great. They're, they're, they're great. Um, yeah. I'd, it would be impossible to get completely flat over over a certain length, you know, once you're, you know, wider than the plat and it gets difficult, obviously, to get, you know, everything completely flat. And I think, especially when you come to put uh, scales on things, you want the flatter the better. So um, it's it's a good investment. Yeah. 
I like their I like their surface attachment very much. I use it I used it for I actually perched out a blade so I could do I could do the uh, some of the grinding, uh, mm-hmm. and it worked out great. I think disc grinders are awesome. I love my disc grinders. I use it for everything. And um, actually, been recently, what I usually do is I use the regular platen, uh, and then I'll go 3680, and then um, I'll go straight to the disc sander, and then that kind of like finds any kind of inconsistencies, changes the scratch pattern and stuff like that. And then before I go to the hand sanding, we go when then I use I go you know uh, 80. Uh, 120 and then uh, 220 and then I'll before I send it back to be hand sanded I'll throw it I'll hit it under the under the scotch bright belt and that's been mm. really really helpful too um, in regards to I think that Broadbeck has a disc sanding attachment and that would be a very very good investment I know that a lot of people use the disc sanding attachment they like it once again, the disc sander, you can make your own disc sander too. You can just, all you need is a motor, honestly, and um, you can probably cobble one together. The disc sanders that I use are very, I have a Beaumont and I love it because it's very, very, it, it doesn't wobble. There's no bullshit. It's very, like, it works great. I, I really, like, depend on my, I don't know if I could, I depend on my disc sander very much. So that's the end yeah. of that. We did a lot of knife talk today. We did, and we talked a lot about sort of gear and equipment as well. And whilst we're doing that, I want to mention something that I I received a couple of weeks ago, which I haven't mentioned on the show because they're not real sponsors. Right. But the guys at Trojan Horse, um, they sent one of their vice, um, one of their um, sanding vice, you know, one of the Stable rail knife finishing vice? Is that what you're saying? That's the one. That's the one. 100 ads Um, for This thing is fucking built like a tank it it came in the post i was like what the hell is this it's quite a big box and it comes in almost like a like a like a pelican case as well it's it's just this thing will survive the apocalypse it it is built like an absolute tank it's amazing it's amazing they've like over engineered it so it's it'll just work forever and it's awesome it, it clamps everything down it's got nice soft soft sort of rubber things so you're not going to get any any scratches and stuff it's it's brilliant. So yeah, if you if you're looking for one of those, you know, hand sanding um, vice, what, what what's its official term again? All right, yeah. I'll give you the read. Basically, so it's the go on, let's T, do it. Yeah, it's the yeah, THF, yeah. the Trojan Horse Forge Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice, and you can use it. People seem to think that knife finishing vices are just for the handle. Well, this isn't. You can bolt plates mm-hmm. on, and you can hand sand your blades too on both sides. I mean, I mean, I literally use. Every knife is on that is on that knife finishing vice twice. Once for the blade, once for the handle, and it's. I mean, it really is unbelievable. Bolsters, if you got uh, kukeries, if you have uh, distal tapers, it, it adjusts for it, and they really are great guys. Um, I got two of them. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, I'm fucking psyched about it too because they're fucking great guys and they're knife makers. Mm. They did a beautiful job, and if you go to uh, Trojan Horse Forge dot com you put in the promo code full blast you'll get free shipping in the united states and then they also offer uh a payment plan so if like you don't want to lump it all out oh, wow. I, I understand so it's great i mean it like people who have nobody's i've never heard someone say i wish i never bought this knife finishing device this thing is dynamite <laughs> fucking dynamite so yeah yeah they, they told me stuff. they sent me a message and they said they said tell craig we're sending it to france i'm like all right i'm with you <laughs> but they're good dudes yeah it's awesome. It's awesome. Right. Okay, I think that's a show. Shall we go to an after party? Let's do it.
after party. Uh, after yeah. show. After well, show. Free, yeah, the free after, after show. show. Okay. Free yeah, after yeah. show. All right, bring Fiona. This show is brought to you by the. We can't bring her to a party. She'll eat all the buffet. <laughs> oh, all the poor, buffet. <laughs> poor Fiona. Poor Fiona. Oh, you've had such a rough life, Fiona. We love you, Fiona. Uh. Um, oh, so first but not least, I had a good time with the guys on Work For It, and they're. I mean, their their after show is good. They're at, we had had a good time. So I can't I can't vouch for all of them, but <laughs> join the page, join join their Patreon, and and uh, I would never call them flea bags. So uh, go get yourself some of that Patreon. Uh, put some of that Patreon money with work for it. So yeah, it did, it did pop up on my phone um, the other day that you were on the show, and I was like, all right, let's. So I listened to the first 10, 15 minutes to see what it was all about. And you and, made it um, through fifteen, right? Uh, <laughs> I was surprised they didn't break your balls more. To be honest with you. Yeah, they welcomed listen, you with open arms. They, 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 listen. They knew. They knew. They knew that you know, daddy's home. They knew that daddy's home. They knew, you know, daddy. Come, you know, like Big Poppy says. You know, daddy knows you best. You know, you know when dad comes. Dad comes home. You don't, don't fuck around when dad comes home. So dad, dad came home. So, you know, that's it. Yeah. Oh, I got a funny story to tell you. Go for so it. at Maker Camp, Jesse Killian. That's. Uh, Fuck it, Marlboro handmade or handcraft. I don't remember. Should be Killian Blades. Yeah, it should be Killian Blades. Jesse Killian and Butch Sullivan are two of the best. That's they're the PA crew with Steve with uh, Steve Pellegrino. Those two fucking guys are hilarious, and I loved spending time with them. They are Philly through and through, and we talk baseball. And the Phillies right now are doing awesome, right? So we're talking baseball and stuff like that. And and, uh, Jesse is hilarious. He's so funny. And we were, we, I was introducing people. We were talking, and we were, you know, we were having a few drinks and stuff like that. And, and it was a lot of fun. We introduced him to uh, Ben Seacrest, uh, Fire Ice and Forge. He works at for, for he works for uh, 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 he works for the Grinder Company, the the Beaumont. God damn it! This is the after show. I'm already drunk. Broadback. <laughs> he works for Broadback. He works for Broadback. So Fire Ice and Forge works for Broadback. So we start talking about baseball, and you know, obviously the Yankees are in the the, the playoffs as of now, and, and we're talking about the Phillies and stuff like that. So I introduce him to Ben. He goes, "Oh yeah, we're talking." And for some reason, I seem to think that anybody—they're all in Maryland. Uh, the Broadback guys are in Maryland. Well, Brian isn't, but Vince and they're all in Maryland. So I just assume they're Orioles fans. So I introduce Ben. Ah, oh, Ben's an Orioles fan. And, oh, nice to meet you. And Brent, and, and then Ben turns to Jesse. He goes, "No, no, no, I'm a Braves fan." Jesse goes, well, fuck you, and fuck you're this. And it was, I was just like, it was this incredibly beautiful overreaction. It was, he just immediately, just, just shook his hand, starts breaking his balls relentlessly. He had me fucking dying the whole weekend. Butch, Butch, and they listen to the podcast, they're the best. Butch Sullivan and uh, Jesse Killian are the best. They were hilarious. Fucking hilarious. Nice. It's good that you had a good time. It sounds uh, it sounds like it was a lot of fun. I had a great time, and it was a lot of fun, and I didn't go too hard in the paint with the drinking, which I'm glad because, you know, you got to work the next day. You got to do other things, mm. and I was really glad that I didn't go crazy, but it was a great time. And uh... Oh, so we didn't ask you, how is your, what's going on in your life? What's going I, in on? In the beginning, you, we talked about Nightmaker Camp, but we didn't say how your week was. Yeah, well, I'm planning. At, well, tomorrow I drive to the UK um, for uh, when the UK for two weeks um, for me going to the studio. Um, so oh, yeah. yeah, it's and I'm leaving sort of two a.m. Um, so yeah, getting packed up, um, getting everything ready, and just organising everything for the studio. So I'm now in the studio for four days, um, 
and there's just so much that needs to be done because it's it's going to be quite a quick turnaround because um, the whole idea is the single's going to be released on the 18th of November. Um, hopefully it'll chart then on the 25th of November because I did want to get it too close to Christmas because right. there's loads coming out and you want, to, you want a quiet spot really to get a higher chart position. Wow, you're really um, thinking this through, huh? Oh yeah, and it's it's like a military operation. So there's there's been so much going on. So obviously, um, I'm having to take you know lots of equipment over with me. So I'm I'm driving, but my wife is then flying with the kids. She's having oh to bring her mother as well because she can't fly with the three kids. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's there's this this whole operation going on. Um, and then uh, you know the studio making sure everything's there. So obviously, I can't if I'm driving. I can't take all the amps and stuff as well. I'm taking all my guitars, but I can't take amps as well. So I'm making sure what they've got there and what we need to hire in. Um, just today, speaking to the choir, one of the songs has a choir on there. And oh my they're saying, god! You know, how many can we attend? And I was like, as many as you want. We're making sure that everything's going to be right for them. Um, just loads of even down to like the the, the photographer. So for the for the image sleeve. You know, as a kid, it was always quite important to me having a good sort of sleeve. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you'd read all the liner notes and all the rest of it. And and this for me, it, this is, you know, the dream come true. So, you know, the, the producer is the guy who did, you know, producing for Oasis and, you know, is, you know, a big fan of his work and all the rest of it. And then it's, you know, it's gone off to Abbey Road to be mastered and stuff. So it's making sure everything's right. But but for the sleeve, originally I, I designed this sleeve and it was based around, basically my old town, which is Cardiff. Um, that's what the song is about, really, the main song. <clears throat> but I found these these set of images called Cardiff After Dark. Um, and they, I remember seeing them years ago. I'm going to send you a link to these pictures because basically this, this is, you know, street photography is quite a big thing now. Um, but this guy just captured Cardiff at night perfectly. So Cardiff wow. is a bit of a party town. I just sent you the link. Um, it's a bit of a party town, so he's taken these really sort of candid images of sort of 3 a.m. on the main street in Cardiff, and some of them are just incredible. So I've contacted him, asked him if I can use one of the specific images for the cover shot. Wow. And um, so it's dealing with licensing for that as well. And yeah, so it's just lots to be done very, very quickly now. So, you know, the, the whole going into the studio to record is is part of it. Um, but that that's only part of it, really. You know, we need to make sure the choir have drinks there, and we need to make sure as the the cover photography, the license is done properly, and all that. It's just registering with the chart company, and oh man, and everything you, needs to be done in a certain order as well. You know, you can't just you, know, you can't just do whatever. So I'm looking at the link you sent me. You're telling me yeah. this is the town you lived in. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the, like the main city center. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> It's very much a um, a bit of a party town, and um, oh, you know all the state, all the all God. the sta- the stadiums, for example, of, of all the sports stadiums. People love coming to Cardiff to watch games because as you come out the stadium, you're then in the middle of the city centre with all the bars and nightclubs and restaurants are all there. So it just comes alive at night. So if you're looking at the main grid that I've sent you, yes. you're looking at that main main uh, grid. Yeah. yeah. So Fiona the- and her friends. <laughs> there's lots of them yeah there's oh lots God. of them can you see on the second row down the first picture the guy in the pink cowboy hat uh yes i can click on that, that so you can see it large he got a, le- he got a leg up he's he's, he's got his a leg guy up. who looks like um very pasty and quite large he's wearing a, a very hairy chest and he's wearing like a uh, uh purple nightgown 
He's got stockings. Uh, looks like he's yeah. got like fishnet stockings on, and he has got a pink furry hat, and he got one leg up on a police barricade. Like he's <laughs> either going to jump over it or. Um, you know. So this guy is obviously on uh, what we call a stag weekend where they basically dress, you know, he's getting married, they dress you up, get right. you very drunk and just make you look like an idiot. Um, <clears throat> so this is the image that I'm hoping to license to be the sleeve cover. Um, just because I think it sums up Cardiff at night perfectly. Wow. That's the kind well, of thing you see all the time. And it's, yeah, I think it's quite fun. To, expl- to kind of like, for our listeners to kind of explain what it looks like, it's imagine what you think... Uh, Mardi Gras, New Orleans. Imagine four o'clock in the morning. Everyone's mm. done. Everyone's done, <laughs> and then no one knows where to go. <laughs> People yeah. are on the street. There's garbage everywhere. There's look, men and look women. at if you the go one, back. That's one is the is... guy signing a woman's leg. Yeah. Well, one. look at the one two below that one. There's a lady just lying down on the floor by the garbage, garbage overspilling yeah. all the bins. <laughs> yeah, there's like a there is like a fucking there is a fucking giant 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 a pile of garbage. Imagine a garbage can overfilled and then there's like a crater of more garbage around it and there's well, this, this is a fame this is a famous street in Cardiff. Um people call it Chippy Alley because basically there's just chip shops which are what you'd call fries I suppose just one street just lined with these and they're open through the night so come sort of 2 a.m. onwards this place is just rammed it's sort of the place to be everybody goes there for just deep fried bad food and this is the kind of site that you see all the time (laughs) people just passed out this woman and she doesn't look like a crazy person she looks like you're you know you're college oh, friend yeah. like your yes, college yeah. friend that you haven't seen in a long time well people and, come to cardiff from from all around from other, other cities and so on because it's it's like the party town you know and i say the stadiums are right in the center so it brings everybody in and it, i don't know it's just i think it just captures cardiff at night perfectly so yeah we're hoping to be able to emit, to license that that one is that's I have to I have to send this to Hillary because my <laughs> wife loves she's always her her father was a very incredible her real father was an incredible writer but he was like a real he was he had this dark under underbelly in terms of mm-hmm. his life and didn't live a long life and and but he, she she always says to me she says I've always been attracted to a bit of sleaze and she always says this, <laughs> she has this thing called it's called an appetite she refers to it as an, I have an appetite for sleaze like yeah so this yeah. would be this is right up her alley um in terms there's of a like, darkness yeah. yeah this yeah, yeah this is um the, so on the very like, last row the first one which is on the left where you can see two women they're dressed up for a night out. They're just sitting there, and it looks like a bomb has gone off around them. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, they, 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 these are amazing. I mean, they, they they don't really describe. They don't really describe. They're not. It's hard to describe them, but they are very like. This is late night in the town, and everyone is like on the same page, yeah. which is like we're done drinking. Yeah. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. It's like it's like when people say you can't go, you have to go home, but you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Well, everyone's here. <laughs> yeah, Everyone exactly, and that's where the party is. The party and, is then yeah. in the street and right. outside. The, these are awesome. You know, the these are incredible. Yeah. These are incredible. Yeah. yeah, really cool. So yeah, so we're hoping. I'm hoping to license that one image. Um, as I said, it's getting the choir involved. It's getting all the, the gear that I need rented. You know, hired to be there. And then I need to find out. You know, what that gear is going to be, and me with my sort of obsessiveness I need to look online and see exactly how you set up this particular thing. Even th- there's an engineer there anyway, but I need to know. You know. Um, are you excited or are you nervous? 
supremely excited. Not nervous wow. in the slightest, actually. Not nervous in the slightest. But um, I just cannot wait. Cannot wait. So the, the three songs that I'm doing, there'll probably be more songs now because I'm there for four days. Um, but the three that I've done that I've sort of recorded demos for, I've gone over and made sure I know every little bit to the nth degree. And probably too much because the, the whole idea is that producer's there. He'll, you know, he'll have right. ideas. Right. and so you, you know, can't but micromanage. Exactly. So I need to sort of lay off and think it's not going to be exactly like that anyway. And uh, the whole idea will be better. So I cannot wait. It's, yeah, it's like I say, it's, it's, it's a bit of a lifelong dream and, um, it's come around really quickly. What, what I thought, I, oh, I've got months to go, months to go. Now it's like, Jesus, it's like next week. Very so, exciting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very exciting. exciting. I'm very happy for you, man. It's is like, this is, you don't get to have these kinds of situations and you're kind of like, you're taking advantage of the mm. opportunity with both hands and this is it, you know? So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's and cool. then pretty it's soon cool. you're going to be, you know, on top of the rocks and then, oh, we didn't even, we would talk, maybe you'll be, maybe you'll be a guest judge on uh, a great British Bake Off and you can do like uh, Mexican Night <laughs> t- Part 2. Did you hear about that? No, I, I did. You sent me a message about it. I have normally my wife and I watch it, um, but we haven't watched the season at all. So I don't know what's gone on, but so there was some, <laughs> something going on for Mexican baking or something. Speaking of which, you got a, a text from your wife. I just got a text from my wife. I sent that that link you sent to me, and I said that Craig sent to me this, and she wrote me one word, horrid. <laughs> was the word she wrote me. Back. So our wives chipped in today. Good, good job. It everybody. looks it looks horrid, she but I just want to say Cardiff at night is like the warmest place ever. Honestly, as in like the welcoming that you'll get, and it, it it's a Welsh thing as well. It's you know welcome in the hillside. It's it's a famous quote, but um, yeah, as horrid as it looks. It's fantastic when you're there, honestly. Well, I don't mean to change topics, but I mean, I, I, the, so basically, if you watch Br- Great British Bake Off, we, my wife and daughter do, is they mm. have uh, they have uh, they have these themes, and they just did this one episode called Mexican Night, and it was so like, I mean, I don't want to say it was racist, but at the same time, it was so <laughs> culturally Jesus. insensitive. It was culturally insensitive. Like you have this rich wonderful you're now meeting you know watching food shows with these rich uh, mm-hmm. histories of the culture of mexico and the great british bake-off they got some of these two dorks wearing like sombreros saying tacos <laughs> you know saying fucking tacos and it was just like i we were watching it was just like this is fucking weird and this is like i mean they're just like i don't know anything about tacos and they they they, they basically kind of like condensed the the culture of mexican cuisine into this very very like just it was just like so backwards and like just culturally not really appropriate and just like yeah. it was just diminishing and very typical of like this colonialism I mentality and stuff like that but the crazy part was and we don't have to talk about it because obviously we got to get the fuck out of here but it was like there have been like real news sources in the food industry who've been writing on how how painful it was to watch wow. and how like oh yeah you yeah, like food and wine is writing about it and eaters writing about it and they're just talking about how how inappropriate it was and it's just how the fact that like you know paul hollywood is that fucking dork is is like um uh he's an expert on mexican cuisine it was just like <laughs> it was like bizarre it was like biz- totally bizarre so the Bake Off used to be a, a BBC show, and they they sold it. They sold the rights to it to Channel Four, which is another uh, network, I suppose, in the UK. And Channel Four do not give a fuck. 
Yeah. I remember like growing up, like Friday Night's Channel 4 was there's basically a lot of soft porn on TV as well. You know, it used to be the like thing to watch when you were a teenage boy. Um, yeah, <laughs> Channel 4 is, is a bit more Wild West than BBC, should we say, yeah. Well, this is going to be one of those episodes that's going to go down as what the turning point and why people stop watching it. Because it's like, like I said, these two dorks walking around with sombreros, <laughs> and then and then the only real thing they were talking about is whether somebody likes cilantro or not. You know, because it tastes yeah. like soap oh, or geez. not. It was just very... Because I always assumed, because I, I always felt like they have a very diverse group that usually mm. you're on there. And it just yes, seemed like, yeah, and then, yeah. and I was talking to my wife, I was like, well, what the fuck do these people know about Mexico? They don't live anywhere near South America. So, I, yeah. that, of course, they don't have any idea about, you know, Mexican foods. Why wouldn't they get a Mexican guy on there to, you know, who had some, like, you know, interesting things to say about it? So, yeah. Well, that's oh, it. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't mean to cat. Uh, I'm very excited for you. Does this mean that you're going to be on Knife Talk next week, or do I need to? No. Okay. Um, well, for the I next will... two weeks is going to be difficult okay. for me. No problem. I will take care of next week's episode. Uh, I'll bring in a, a guest host, and then I'll have I'll have Mareko the following week. I'll take care of everyone. Yeah. Is Mareko not, every... not, not available he, next week? He will be, yeah. I talked to him at Maker Camp this week, and next week he will be out. So I will take care of Knife Talk next week. I'll take care of okay. it. Okay, might turn okay. into full blast. You never know, but I will make sure you <laughs> you will have you will have a normal episode of knife talk. And who knows? I might I might get I might get a surprise guest. You never know. Yeah, that would be cool. Never that'd know. be cool. Okay, right, right. But it's late here. What a pleasure! Um, it's, it's time for me to go to bed. Fat Fiona's waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to whisper that in case you could hear me. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We shall speak to you next week. (laughs) This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.